Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to watchnebula.com slash not overthinking with a little hyphen thing in between the not and the overthinking. So watchnebula.com slash not dash overthinking. Through Nebula, you'll firstly get access to all of our podcast episodes ad-free. Secondly, you'll see exclusive content from me and a load of other educational-ish creators. And thirdly, it directly supports this podcast. So you'll incentivize me and Tame to record more episodes. My name is Ali. I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Not Overthinking. Ali, what's going on? Oh, mate, I'm actually cream crackered. Really? I've just been working. All, I've just been working all weekend. It's now half past ten. I've just arrived back home. I've got my cup of peppermint tea, and we have to record this freaking podcast episode. But it's fine. It's all good. It's all about the consistency. And it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, it's it's a lot harder to start than it is to kind of continue, like like with most things in life. Yeah, uh, especially when I'm pulling the weight in terms of producing the topic for this this week. In fairness, I think I pulled my own weight last week. So <laughs> it's 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 fine if you pull all the weight this week. Although I, did, I, although I did have some things to talk about, but you were obsessed with this whole transactional analysis stuff and wanted to talk about that. So... I guess that's what we're talking about. Yeah, so I, I do have a topic for this week. Um, but before that, we should probably say a word about our sponsors uh, for this episode, which is SeatGeek. Uh, SeatGeek is literally the easiest way. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> that, that's a very niche reference. I feel like most... <laughs> <Is> it? <laughs> it's, it's a very specific kind of podcast sponsor. <laughs> yeah i mean I think, it's just a copy I think of like audible yeah yeah, yeah i was i was, yeah, I was, I was doing like a audible bit from david dobrik's vlog that's what i was yeah, doing i know <laughs> i mean i i think i think i know that now having now been become addicted today to david dobrik have you have you seen the video he posted the other day the like the most recent one yeah yeah it's good isn't it it's so nice yeah i think his whole like giving away money thing is like quite interesting so basically for those of you who uh haven't yet watched david dobrik's vlogs for some reason uh what he often does is give away uh large amounts of money or expensive items to his friends and other random people so you know he's given his friends like uh you know i think he bought one of his friends a ferrari he's, he's given away i don't know like 50 cars or something over the past few years and um yeah every now and then uh yeah every, every few vlogs he will just like give away a few tens of thousands of dollars to various people uh, and in his most recent video, he was he gave away like a ton, you know, many, many sort of ten thousand dollar checks to like families in his local area who uh, needed it. And the thing, like initially, it didn't quite sit like this whole thing of like giving away money to needy people and filming it for your vlog. It didn't really sit right with me because I don't know. I guess in in the culture I've sort of been grown up in, it's it's seen as like I don't know. It, it's uh, you're you're not supposed to be showy about kind of doing good deeds charity. or charity yeah, and things like that it's, it's seen as crass in a way it's yeah i think like definitely yeah like in the uk it's it would it's definitely like uh, i don't know it would it would be seen as a bit crass um but yeah and my initial reaction to that was kind of like oh this is a bit weird but i was like ah to be honest like yeah i can i can see like a it being like a, a valid thing to do in a different kind of culture you know and you know how david dobrik has all that money to give away to people yeah because of sponsors such as <laughs> skillshare who are very kindly sponsoring this episode of the podcast incidentally i've actually got a story about skillshare which i was going to talk about um uh, kind of uh, apart from the fact that they're sponsoring this so um earlier today i released a video on the channel called which was the first episode of book club a series where i do book discussions and things and it was looking at a book called the unfair advantage which i filmed an interview for a few months ago before the whole social isolation thing really kicked in and uh, my mate Angus, who is one of my kind of newer team members, he actually edited that entire video. And actually, it was his first time editing a video, like at all. And all of the comments were like, oh, my God, this is incredible editing. Ali, you've really upped your editing game and, and, and all, this, all this sort of stuff. And I, I, I was just kind of smiling as I was hotting all these comments because it was literally his first edit. And you know how he actually learned how to edit videos? <laughs> From your Skillshare class. Yeah, genuinely, from my Skillshare class. Wow. He had never used, he had literally never edited a video in his life. He downloaded Final Cut, the, the 30 day trial of it. I, I've subsequently bought him the actual license because the trial expired and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, like, uh, I'm a generous dude like that, you know, I, but, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and yeah, just like by going through my Skillshare class on how to edit videos, he edited that video and, I think it's one of the best edited videos that I've ever released. He put a load of effort into it. And we had like three rounds of kind of revisions where I was giving feedback on frame, frame.io, which is a feedback kind of website. But like it was the first video and people are 
watching it and commenting that oh my god this is incredible this is amazing editing that's and so this sick. is the power of my skillshare class on final cut pro <laughs> which you should definitely check out by going to skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking if you're not interested in becoming a, a pro editor on youtube um incidentally you can also become a pro editor by following that class and then you can like you know uh, freelance out your skills and make money on the side while you're stuck in lockdown but if you're not interested in that if you're more interested in kind of you know playing it straight down the line you can also check out my class on skillshare called uh how to study for exams an evidence-based masterclass or something like that and that's like four and a half hours long worth of content where me and a few friends who did well in exams over the past few years we go in depth about all these classes anyway all that said go to skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking for your free two-month trial uh a because it's really good it's good for your life but it also helps the podcast out and it means that one day if we get enough sponsors like skillshare who are very kindly sponsoring this episode we might also be able to give money away to uh i've i actually on that note i've, I've had about 10 emails in the last few weeks from people from different countries asking me for money yeah i had some i got some instagram dms from someone who was trying to get to you through me <laughs> oh well, I'll to ask you, you for, to ask to ask you for money <laughs> ask me to ask you for money. <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, how did that go i messaged you about it <laughs> did you yeah it's just, oh, it's like, it might have been this was like three or four weeks ago it might have been the same one of the same dudes who emailed me like i'm really not sure what to like how how to respond to those like i've, I've just been ignoring these emails because like what do you do yeah i was also thinking like what is the what's the right move here because like objectively you know there are many you know all, all these various people definitely need the money a lot more than you do right yeah sure like for example, the, the the person who messaged me was a student, uh, I think in Nigeria, who uh, had, who was at medical school, uh, and she had to take out a loan to pay for her medical school fees. And she uh, worked like a part-time job in order to pay off that loan. But then once the whole lockdown stuff happened, uh, she uh, could no longer work the part-time job, so she could no longer keep up with her loan repayments. Uh, and so she was, yeah asking for some help with that and it's kind of like that's a pretty good cause yeah but what's the appropriate response because like it's it's one of those things like if i for example walk by a homeless dude in the street you know it, it would be it would be no skin off my back or, or whatever the phrase is to give the dude some money right right but i don't know it's <laughs> these this this whole institution of giving money to individuals I, I i i just have absolutely no idea what frame of reference to like or, or even how to think about it it's it's not something i've ever thought beyond like i guess I, I i i suppose what's in my mind is that oh well you know if i help one homeless dude then i have to help them all and therefore i can't and i can't help them all therefore i'm not going to help the one i right. feel like that is a big part of the thought process that goes into this yeah because like with these 10 people asking for money yes i could give them money but then the thing in my head is that you know this you know it sets a bad precedent this is just not how life works um it means i'd have to give money to everyone who asks me for money there are other better causes to give the money uh, how, how how do you think about this stuff yeah this is uh yeah i spent a while thinking about this over the years my so my policy okay so i think that the 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 thing of like if I give money to one person, I have to give, I have to give money to everyone. That's just not true, right? Like, that's, yeah, that's no, not it's, true. It's absolutely not true. I'm just saying kind of the various yeah. excuses that go through my mind yeah, for yeah, why yeah. I'm not tr- wiring this money to, to, to some Nigerian girl. Uh, yeah, so, like, I think... So, when I when I was in university, in, in Oxford, there was lots of homeless people. And so, uh, this was something that you know, came up quite a lot. Uh, and I ended up thinking about it. And my policy is basically... So, a, a lot of people... Um, would object to like for example giving money to uh essentially random people on the street for example homeless people because uh they'll you know they'll they'll maybe do some thinking about uh you know what are they going to spend the money on maybe they'll just buy drugs or something and this is yeah this that is, seems to be the classic it's a common yeah. it's a common objection um i don't know maybe maybe it's valid in some cases it's more valid than others and like there are a lot of scammers out there as well like there's lots of people you know i've been scammed in london and in oxford by people um you know the, the sort of uh posing as like say, prostitutes <laughs> uh not, not not prostitutes but you know someone will approach you they'll pretend like they can't really speak english uh they'll ask for money and say that they uh you know they're like a a refugee or something and they may well be um and then like you'll walk back and you, you'll give them some money or something uh 
And yeah, there's basically, there's lots of scams. Like you walk past them, uh, you know, again, and they'll have forgotten who you were and they'll give you the same spiel saying like, oh, I, I just need one more pound, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like, there's, there's obviously lots of scams. And so like, it's not completely insane to think about the other person's intentions. I just find that like, it's not something I want to do, you know, sort of like looking at my fellow man and like trying to, did you, you know, trying to make yeah. a judgment about whether I'm being like lied to or something. I don't care for it. So I, in general i i don't i don't worry about that i just think you know from my point of view this is someone who needs the money more than i do um and i'm in a position to give it so uh broadly why not um but i mean yeah i would i would agree with that if someone comes up to me and says hey bro have you got have you got some change and i actually actually yeah if i've paid sure yeah if i've changed your cash then it's like i don't see how i how i can't give it to them (laughs) but but so why is that any different to you know some nigerian medical student asking for a hundred dollars for example right yeah it's that's the thing it's it's not the i so the i think i think the only the the other like thing that goes through my head is like okay i could give you know i could give like a tenor to this homeless person in oxford or or like i could give the same tenor to uh you know what might be seen as a more worthy cause like you know well, like buying against a, malaria funded yeah buying half a malaria net or something you know yeah uh so yeah that I, that's the kind of objection that goes through my mind i think it's a valid objection and my like i I don't think there's really a way out of it but my way i just sort of uh have accepted that you know i'm imperfect and i'm going to give in to the immediate person asking for money in front of me rather than the distant person who needs the money more just because i'm you know because i'm lazy or whatever i want more of a emotional reward for it or whatever like i just say you know look I'm not perfect. I'm just going to do this. And I'm not going to think about it. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think I'm broadly on the same page as you. Like if, if someone were to come up to me on the street and ask me for money and it's kind of essentially no friction to give the money, I would quite happily give the money. Like it's, it's not a big deal. Right. But when it, when it comes to, you know, someone abroad asking me to kind of go to, go, go to Western Union and wire them some money, it's, that's just not going to happen. And that comes into the, the, the that then falls into the same calculation of, okay, is this what I could actually be doing? But is 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 this the best kind of good I could be doing with my money? And I would rather donate that to the Against Malaria Foundation as like a, an easy win in terms of an effective, yeah, yeah, quote, yeah, effective charity. Yeah, yeah, I I think the sort of international wire transfer situation is it's a bit different <laughs> because it is it's actually not easy to do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't anyway. Know. Now that we've got that sorted, um, oh yeah, we <laughs> segued from our sponsor nicely into that. That that, that wasn't it. Or wasn't even on my list of things to talk about. Um, I've got I've got a couple of other things I've, I've been vaguely thinking about, but I wonder if you just want to launch into the into the transaction analysis stuff because, um, or or potentially we could talk about my things and it, it might mean that we have a long enough episode and we can we can do the TA stuff next. Yeah, time. yeah, sure. Okay, let's talk about my things. So there's basically two. There's basically been like one one huge event in my life this week. Whoa! And that is and that is I read a book. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not quite as huge an event as it would be were you to have read a book. <laughs> very good but nonetheless i read a book um the book is called what's what's it called <laughs> oh damn huge event is that good <laughs> life-changing <laughs> life-changing event it's called a million miles in a thousand years have you ever heard of this book i haven't wow okay i i'd like literally never heard of it um it's by a dude called donald miller and donald miller is a fella who is a professional writer and he wrote a memoir about his life or something like a few years ago and it became like a bestseller or something so he became he became like famous through that well okay. as in like sort of famous as as famous as people who write memoirs can feasibly get right. these days but then he was approached to turn his memoir into a movie okay and they wanted to turn it into like a feature film and so he's written this book a million miles in a thousand years which tells the story of as in the the subtitle of this book is what i learned while editing my life and essentially he's he's kind of talking about how you know he was how he's living his life and then he gets approached by these two filmmakers from hollywood and they want to turn his life into a movie and they they end up hanging 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 out a lot and essentially what these filmmakers are saying is that look man no one wants to watch a movie about your life because your life is boring and actually all of our lives are boring um people want to watch a movie that has like a story to it right and this book a million miles in a thousand years it's uh it was it was recommended through this kind of coaching program that i'm doing about how to grow your youtube channel uh, about kind of the importance of storytelling as being and and the guy who runs this this coaching program said that reading this book changed the trajectory the trajectory of his life and after reading it i can fully see why that why that is because there's just 
how, how do I articulate this in a way that doesn't that 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 somehow does it justice? Wait, I so probably this, won't be able to. This book wasn't his memoir. He wrote a memoir, then no, no, he wrote yeah. this book, and this book is yeah, about he, storytelling. Th- this book is about the. Uh, it's it's about how it's 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 sort of like a narrative. Like he's 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 telling the story of kind of his years from having finished writing the memoir, and he's written a few other books, and like but hasn't been they've they've not been too huge. And then these filmmakers come along, and he talks about kind of the transformation in his life as he sort of realizes that actually you know we're trying to create a fake version of me the fake version of me who lives an interesting story right and he realizes kind of as throughout the book that essentially the version of the the fake the fake donald that they're trying to create in this movie is the sort of dream version of himself the version of himself that he wishes he were because you know they're taking his life events but they're making them more interesting they're making him tell a more a more interesting story okay um let me just see if i can find some of my highlights from this Oh, here we go. This is, this is the first one I highlighted. It didn't occur to me at the time, but it's obvious now that in creating the fictional Don, Donald, I was creating the person I wanted to be, the person worth telling stories about. It never occurred to me that I could recreate my own story, my real life story, but in an evolution, I had moved towards a better me. I was creating someone I could live through, the person I'd be if I redrew the world, a character that was me, but flesh and soul other, and flesh and soul better too. Um, and so that's kind of like his opening in his in his prologue and as he as he talks about the story it's it's structured in the format of a story so like you know a story being defined as uh uh where where you've got a character the character wants something and the character has to overcome conflict to get right. the thing yeah, and yeah, the yeah. character's changed it's changed as a result so yeah, classic those story. are like yeah exactly so the, those are like the four kind of sections of the book and the way it's told is just absolutely incredible and like this was i was i was reading this while on my on call shift yesterday because I had a few hours of kind of spare time. So I was just kind of lying in the doctor's office on the, on the couch. And I, I, I genuinely was crying in like kind of three or four different moments. Really? Just at like the stories he was telling. Wow. Because of like, for example, he talks about how he, 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 he grew up without a dad and he, how he would always kind of say that, oh, well, I don't really need to find my dad. And then he kind of goes on this quest to find the dad in purely in a, in an attempt to kind of live a more interesting story. Like he says, you know, what would fictional Donald do? You know, where's, where's the interesting story here? Um, like I've got one of these whole whole chapters highlighted just because it was such a powerful story that, <laughs> that, that 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 made me cry. But I can't like recite all of it here. But yeah, no, it's just like a, okay. What am I? What am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say here is that the reason that this hit me so strongly is because as he was talking about how his own life is boring and there's no interesting story there, because essentially what he's saying is that he hasn't he's not really taken any major risks. Uh, he hasn't kind of gone through major struggles and it's kind of these risks and these struggles in pursuit of a kind of higher cause yeah. that makes a story interesting. And I was kind of looking back at my life and thinking, what real risks have I taken? What real struggles have I gone through? Like where, you know, am, am I living a story that I would want to tell? And the answer in my head was like, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I think I've, I've just kind of fairly easily sort of breezed through life just off the back of kind of, you know, a pretty comfortable home environment, a pretty comfortable education system. And as I was reading all these things, I was like, uh, it, it, it was a feeling that this guy is like speaking to me and uh, kind of really? encouraging me to live a more, a more story worthy life. Wow. And this guy, for example, you know, he acted, he like goes on a bike ride across the whole of America, despite being fat and overweight and stuff. And he can't ride a bike to save his life yeah. just because he knows that it's going to be a good story. And so, so the, the thing I want to talk about is I'm not sure to what extent I fully agree with this. The, it, it seems to be that the, the the thesis he's espousing is that for a life to have been worth living it must be story worthy i.e there must be kind of conflict struggles and in pursuit of a higher a higher cause and i i don't know i'm not sure how fully i I would agree with that yeah i don't really like that as a metric to be honest like it's yeah like the sort of story worthiness as like the the yardstick it's it feels it feels similar to you know how like all the boomers are writing uh thing pieces about how uh the millennials are like obsessed with uh the instagram uh, what their life would look like on instagram versus what you know the actual life that they're living and it, it, it kind of feels yeah. similar it's like a performance it's like a live trying to live some kind of performance rather than you know I, I don't know like it doesn't sit well with me so like what was what was good about this i i like it, it sounds like his story this his story was pretty compelling like you know, he told had some personal anecdotes and things, and like it sounds like it would be a good read, in, uh, interesting read about uh, someone's life and like an intimate view into their life. That seems good, but like, did he? Yeah, it doesn't sound like you were convinced that story worthiness is a good metric for living your life. 
I wasn't fully convinced that storyworthiness is a good metric, but I was semi-convinced because, I, you know, as as you know, and as I've discussed in this podcast a few times before, it's like, you know, I feel like I'm at this crossroads in my life where either I sort of pursue medicine and kind of go down the straight path or I do something rogue, like kind of just go around the world bumming around. Uh, you know, that's sort of the the, sim- the simple version of the yeah. of the narrative. And this was yet another kind of nail in the coffin of, 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 of me doing medicine. Because <laughs> when I, because if I think, you know, on, on any metric, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Like there is absolutely no story, story worthy component to that. Potentially the story worthy component could be that, you know, there's this struggle to try and try and move to America to try and do medicine there, but it's, it's not much of a struggle. Well, really. like, come on. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's no, there's no, yeah, there's no like struggle involved in that. Whereas I was thinking that, oh, you know, I could like travel the world and like, you know, just do one backpack and then like hike this trail. And I, I, I just had all these kind of wanderlust type thoughts while, while reading through this. Plus it was just like a really good story and there was some really like nice moving. Yeah. Moving, moving bits to it. I, I look, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what angle I think like thinking about life as a story might, it, you know, might be something I get on board with. Uh, mm-hmm. and this is something I've thought very, at various points over the past few years where, you know, sometimes like yeah life life always comes down to like you know decision making at various junctures right like it's all about you know there are these junctures where you have to decide between various options and it's all about like you know figuring out the best option to 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 pick right and one of the things that i found helpful is uh is to kind of and i i don't know if i've mentioned this on the podcast but i think i've talked to you about it before is to kind of step outside my body and observe myself as a third party the, the, the impartial observer which we maybe talked about uh, an episode or two ago, uh, but like, you just like step outside of my body and look at myself and think, hmm, what, what is this chump going to do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> this guy really going to like, you know, just like see yourself from, from a third person point of view and think about the story that you are, that you are writing in this moment by the decisions you're making and think about like, okay, this character, he's like, he's a, he's a, he's a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> you know, like he's, uh, he's got it so easy <laughs> and he's, uh, he's still not doing he's any sitting- work. <laughs> He's sitting on the toilet watching David Dobrik vlogs, <laughs> reruns of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, you you, you kind of step outside yourself and look, at, and you look at kind of like, you know, the 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 story that you're writing, and it's like, okay, do I want that story to be X or do I want that story to be Y? So, I, I think this the story thing is is um is useful as a as a tool to kind of view yourself in the third person, uh, which is sort of often I don't know, it helps me see things a bit more like objectively sometimes, um, and so I think. For, it doesn't sound like that's the angle this uh, Don Donald um, was taking, though. As in, it sort of it sort of is. I mean, what he's saying is that is that prior to this experience of editing his life to make it more interesting, he was living a fairly normal life, and he and through the process of actively thinking about how to edit his life in a way that would be interesting, he realized he was living a boring life, and it was not the sort of life that that he that he wanted to live. Okay, that's fine, and therefore a lot of the stuff that he does is kind of thinking about, okay, what would make a good story here? Kind of like what you're saying, like when he decides to embark on a quest to find his dad, like a huge part of him wants to procrastinate from it and just, and just not do it. But then it's the fact that this would make a more compelling story that drives him forward to do that thing. Okay. Yeah, I think the story thing in the, yeah, in that context, maybe I can accept it as like a useful hack to like, you know, make you do the right thing from time to time. But I would, I should, is he is he actually proposing this as like a guiding principle for how to live or how to measure? Uh, I don't think. I mean, I'm, I've, I've I've still got like twenty percent of the book left, so maybe there's going to be a massive twist at the end about how it's actually all about accepting Jesus. There's there there have been quite a few like <laughs> what <laughs> there there have been quite a few Christian sort of a few kind of little bits of Christianity like peppered in there. I think he's he's building up to a a, a climax or something like that on that front. Oh okay. Um, but like so the there's a quote here which which I, th- I thought was interesting that I highlighted the ambitions we have oh hang on let's see uh let me see if i can get you the context okay so he's talking about the for example the the advertising industry he says that um before he started writing he was a he was a marketer and his job was to sell stuff to people and convince them that they wanted it uh and he says that uh the thing i never realized was that st- uh st- studying marketing uh in the process of advertising products is in many ways the manipulation of the elements of a story um we watch a commercial advertising a new Volvo and suddenly we feel our life isn't as content as it once was. 
our life doesn't have the new Volvo in it. And if the commercial convinces us, we will only be content if we have a car with 47 airbags. And so we, we begin our story of buying a Volvo, only to repeat the story with a new weed eater and then a new home stereo. And this can go on for a lifetime. When the credits roll, we wonder what we did with our lives and what was the meaning. It's all very seductive and rather fascinating. I saw a commercial the other day for a dishwashing liquid. The opening scene showed a woman standing over a sink of greasy dishes, scrubbing hard against some dried up lasagna that wouldn't come off a plate. Her hair was disheveled. The kids were running around in the kitchen and her husband was probably off watching television. Uh, the woman standing cried out to God, how can this be happening to me? And then the new dishwashing liquid was introduced. There was a, ma- a magic graphic about how it gave had bubbles and stuff. And after the magic bubbles were explained, we were back in the woman's kitchen. The woman's hair was done. She was down 20 pounds. The kids were doing their homework. And the husband was back in the picture, holding his arms around the woman's waist. He says, the cultural scripts running through that commercial are numerous, but the point of it seems much grander than a simple illustration of an effective dishwashing liquid. Actually, actually, when you really break the commercial down, honestly, looking at the subtext, the commercial seems to be saying something more direct. If you use this dishwashing liquid, people will want to have sex with you. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, where can I get some of that? <laughs> <laughs> he says, I know, oh, you'll be disappointed. He says, I know for a fact it isn't true about the dishwashing liquid. I have three cases in my pantry. <laughs> I'm a sucker for this sort of thing. And apparently so are the rest of you. And then this is the bit that I highlighted. The ambitions we have will become the stories we live. If you want to know what a person's story is about, just ask them what they want. If we don't want anything, we are living boring stories. And if we want a Roomba vacuum cleaner, we are living stupid stories. <laughs> If if it won't work in a story, it won't work in life. This, and this is this is uh, weird, man. If if we don't want anything, we're living boring stories. Dude, yeah, that's what I. If we that don't want anything, that I, that's the, that's the whole goal to not want anything. <laughs> and that was the bit that I had that that I took issue with because as I was as I was reading that, I was thinking, I feel like I don't really want anything in my life right now because I'm I'm pretty content with how things are. And then I was thinking, damn, is that a boring story? Because in a story, you've got to want something and you've got to kind of overcome conflict to get it. And then I was like, oh, hang on, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe I should actually start wanting stuff and having like goals and like a, you know. I don't, I don't know, man. This seems shallow. I'm going to come out and say it. it seems shallow. Why was it so profound for you? Okay, like let's let's pretend like you weren't facing this Sophie's choice of like, should I should I do medicine or should I like travel the world or something? Oh, that's a, that's a good reference. <laughs> where, where does where, where does the phrase Sophie's choice comes from? Okay, based, so my understanding, thing. I, I first yeah. heard it in Modern Family. Cam Cam has a whole bit in season one uh, about like, uh, you know, so uh, yeah, he gets emotional about Sophie's choice. Apparently, you know, he's a big fan of Meryl Streep. So my understanding is it's a film starring Meryl Streep where she has to make like a really big choice between two things, one of which involves her child or something. That's, that's as much as I've gleaned from like rewatching this Modern Family episode a bunch of times, <laughs> like seven years ago. <laughs> So, so I feel I first came across the phrase Sophie's Choice in like year five. I feel like it came up in the context of like an English lesson or something year like that. Year five? Yeah. Are you sure I have there a was, distinct memory. There wasn't a girl called Sophie in your class. <laughs> Are you sure that yeah, wasn't? The, 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 there was a girl called Sophie in your class. <laughs> oh, there was. I remember Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't in mine, but I, I distinctly remember Mrs. Adams talking about Sophie's Choice. Oh. Anyway. Um, Yes, you were saying. So let's pretend. Let's pretend. I don't have. The, yeah. yeah, you weren't going through. Uh, you know, the hardest problem. Like, <laughs> yeah, the hardest problem anyone's face. <laughs> <laughs> and you read this book about this guy saying, like, "Hey, man, you gotta like, you know, think about the story. <laughs> you know, your life has to look good as a story." Like, would you really have read that and thought, "Man, this guy's got it all figured out"? I I kind of got a sense that I I wonder what I'm missing here. So I'll read you another bit. <laughs> so this is where he, he he's like, he like goes off on this like Inca trail in Peru to, to Machu Picchu on a whim because a mate asked him and he was like, yeah, all right, you know, I want to live a story. Let's go on this trail. Uh, and he says, uh, something changed after I visited my father. Perhaps it was visiting my father and hiking the Inca trail too. I was living a story, a life designed and lived with intention. I was watching less television and enjoying being in better shape. I had a long way to go on all fronts, but story was certainly making life a more enjoyable experience. It was good to be pursuing a girl too. We were dating actually, and I liked her and sharing a story with someone made the story more meaningful. I heard that in a movie that other people testified that our lives are actually happening. It felt like that, I think. It felt as though I was designing stories for us, not just for me. And I found myself wanting even better stories. And that's the thing you'll realize when you organize your life into the structure of a story. You'll get a taste for one story and then want another and then another. And the stories will build until you're living a kind of epic risk and reward. And the whole thing will be molding you into the actual character whose roles you've been playing. 
And once you live a good story, you get a taste for being uh, for a kind of meaning in life. And you can't go back to being normal. You can't go back to meaningless scenes stitched together by forgettable thread of wasted time. The more practice stories I lived, the more I wanted an epic to climb inside of and see through till its end. And yeah, this is just another kind of example of the... Uh, because people do this sort of stuff, right? Like, I feel like when when Mimi was on a quest to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, that was like, you know, some sort of some sort of meaning in life that you that I I feel kind of from reading this and from hearing other people's experiences of it that you only really get by kind of overcoming a struggle that you don't think you can you can do. Uh, right. Yeah, that's fine. But like, there's a difference between the story being like the byproduct of what you're doing and the story you know the story being like the reason that you do something i think like the story you know thinking about the story as the reason you do something it just seems shallow man shallow is in inauthentic or yeah okay i will get back to you on this front after i finish the book because maybe there's a big gotcha at the end but yeah maybe it's like how he's like you believed all that are you idiot (laughs) actually what i realized is that it's not about the story at all (laughs) yeah the story is just a distraction it's all about relationships (laughs) yeah (laughs) which brings us on to transactional analysis (laughs) wow nice uh no so fine so that was one more thing yeah what was the other thing the other thing was that bit better than the story thing uh i know i don't think it is really um kind of on a on a completely different different vein i was listening to a, a podcast in the car uh, this morning on the way to work and this evening on the way back from work uh and it was about how to gain more margin in your personal life oh yeah you know margin being the idea that you know we're all like overloaded with stuff and we want to have more time to do the things we want to do and less time doing the stuff that we don't want to do and this was like these two um uh, yeah a few like businessy type people as in who run who run like internet businesses type things right talking about how they were building margin in their personal lives and like one of them was like a mum of five kids you know four four kids and like they just adopted like a brand new sort of 25 week old child or something like that and basically they, they, they were talking about that that thing that we had an episode about which is kind of treating your personal life like a business yeah and um eliminating automating and delegating various aspects of household management and it was this is really the first time that I've I've heard this sort of stuff applied so explicitly to the realm of the house, because like it's a pretty standard trope in kind of the tech world and the business world that you want to value your time at a certain amount of money. Yeah. And once you've done that, you realize there are things that you don't want to do, and therefore you kind of pay other people to do them for you. Yeah. Essentially, um, and this is the argument for you know why I you know got. A, cleaner one time because i was like you know what i don't want to spend this two hours of my life cleaning trying to clean the house it would be nice if the house was just like magically clean yeah but like but like these guys were taking it to the next level and i don't think this particularly next level it's just like the first time that i'd really come across the concept which is like you know what they had like a and this sounds really shallow now or sounds really basic now but they had like this uh kind of like a gardening type service thing where kind of once a week these like three dudes come and they just kind of like mow your lawn and like trim the bushes and stuff on friday so that you can enjoy the lawn with your kids on the weekend <laughs> you mean a gardener they had a gardener <laughs> they had a gardener okay <laughs> and um one of them also had like a sort of uh household manager type person like a housekeeper okay yeah 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 and was talking about what it's like having a housekeeper and like one of them had a full-time housekeeper one of them had a part-time housekeeper who would kind of be in the house from like eight till 12 every day and like you know make the make the whole family breakfast and then like you know make the whole family lunch and then prepare the dinner so all they, all they had to do would be put in the microwave and would do the laundry and change the sheets and all this sort of stuff and we're talking about how like when you realize it the this sort of model which is like a a, a two by two matrix oh. as it were if you if you imagine a two by two matrix i know it's, it's quite it's quite hard um it, it's like on one is it is it rows and columns in a matrix or are there yeah sure. Are there, sure yeah sure, rows and columns. <laughs> um in so in in one row across across the top you've got um whether you're good at this thing or bad at this thing and across the column you've got whether you enjoy doing this thing and whether you don't enjoy doing this thing and the things that you are good at and you enjoy is your zone of desire or your zone of genius, like where you should be spending all your time. Uh, the stuff that you don't, that you aren't good at and you don't enjoy is the stuff that you should absolutely never be done. It's your zone of drudgery. Yeah. And then the other two are sort of like distractions because you either, you either in, enjoy it, but you're not very good at it. Okay, fine. Uh, or you don't enjoy it, but you are good at it, in which case you can probably get someone else to do it for you. But they're basically saying that 
um, in the realm of like automating household management and things like that, it's fully worth like spending a crap ton of money on it because then you can actually do more worthwhile things like, I don't know, spend more time with your kids or like, you know, work on your business or kind of do the stuff that you actually want to do yeah. rather than worry about managing the house, which becomes a full-time occupation. Yeah. Um, and it was just, I thought it was interesting because it was the first time that I'd kind of heard people candidly talk about the fact that they employ a housekeeper kind of part-time or full-time as like, as like a thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that. And I wondered what your thoughts are given that you feel strongly about treating your personal life like a business. (laughs) Yeah, I'm on board with that. Uh, Yeah, I think the housekeeper thing, I was recently exposed to the housekeeper thing via a friend of mine um, who runs a, a company in London. And he, he has a housekeeper who he's like a he's you know he he lives on his own um he's the guy who lives on our floor in london uh in our mm. sort of block of apartments and the ones that you've been meaning to hang out with but you know but you never do yeah 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 exactly uh and yeah he he had this he has this housekeeper who does his groceries cleans his uh place like twice a week or something and basically just like takes care of his life but he's basically like a, a paid mum. uh <laughs> and uh and he said he said to us look guys i've got this great housekeeper you should um yeah do the same thing get her to come in a couple of times a week she'll do your groceries she'll clean the place for you and initially i thought dude are you serious <laughs> like what what the hell are you talking about why do i need a housekeeper um but then we, we kind of thought about it and we we do actually employ her uh, every, once every two weeks she comes and cleans the whole place um and this is actually this has actually been quite nice because it means that we don't really we, don't, we never have to do the kind of deep the annoying time consuming deep cleaning tasks like you know cleaning the lime scale off of the shower and like you know oh, like God, doing a that. deep clean of the bathroom or something and like a deep yeah she, she like does a deep clean every two weeks you know we hoover the place a couple of times a week we wipe down the surfaces after we use them um but i i'm really glad that we don't have to like <laughs> do the annoying deep cleaning thing for like a couple of hours once a week like that would that would suck um so i i i, I do get it okay cool I, I, yeah i'm I, i'm on board with that nice but i think there's like uh, a yeah, I think it's there's like a very strong like 80/20 or even like 90/10 where, you know, I think very few people need a full-time, you know, full-time housekeeper to do absolutely everything for them, but if you can just abstract away the kind of big annoying stuff which would be like every once every 2 weeks or something, then it doesn't cost you that much money and like come on, like wiping down the surfaces takes a couple of minutes every evening or something. I I think there's like I think the the t- treating your personal life as a business can go a bit far when you're like constantly evaluating your time. Like, you know, you're washing the dishes and you're thinking like, Oh man, I could be like doing something productive right now. It's like, shut up, dude, just wash the dishes and get over it. You know, like it takes two minutes, <laughs> you know, learn to like, <laughs> you know, learn to just be at peace. <laughs> so yeah, I think like strongly 80, 20 the, the housekeeper thing is pretty good. Yeah. That's reasonable. I, I suppose if you've got like, you know, a family of five, uh, then it, it would make more sense to have oh, a yeah. more yeah whereas just like as a random dude living in a house you probably don't need a housekeeper particularly yeah i don't know why he has a housekeeper man. so on a similar vein this is actually it's actually been two weeks since since i hired a a personal assistant oh nice how is that going uh so that's that's been very interesting so in the uk the title would be personal assistant in america it would be called executive assistant because you know the idea is that she helps with kind of business stuff but also with like personal stuff and in the UK, that's just kind of like colloquially known as a PA, whereas in, in the US, it's called an EA, executive assistant, which sounds all like corporate and weird. Okay. Um, but it's it's been very interesting because it feels very like, uh, I basically feel like an absolute twat. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Like, what kind of stuff does she do for you? Um, as in, <laughs> so I'd, I'd started off before kind of making the hire by like making a list of things that, I would, you know, in a dream world, I would like a, a PA, a personal assistant to kind of cover uh, on that list was things like, you know, figure out how to set up a PO box so I can get fan mail or, you know, figure out how to change the, <laughs> or, you know, fi- figure out how to change, how to change the business addresses. So, so my home address isn't just publicly visible online to everyone, everyone to see. Uh, but on that, on that list were also things like um, remind me uh, sort of. A, a few days before friends birthdays and suggest some some presents that i could buy for the friends so i can just be like yeah that's a good idea you know let's let's do that you know right. part of this thing of system systematizing <laughs> relationship management yeah um but also on that list was uh figure out some kind of meal prep grocery delivery schedule for me whereby i can learn how to cook healthy meals without having to think about it too hard okay um th- 
all of this sort of stuff and it's been it's been going really well so far and i'm finding that ever like now i'm 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 sort of doing that thing where when i'm when when i'm doing stuff i'm thinking i could very easily do this myself but i'm going to delegate it to the pa just because i know that this is sort of it's good to get into the habit of doing that and this is one thing that one of my kind of mentors slash uh some guy who's a business coach uh, liam actually was was talking about he was saying that the point of having a, an assistant isn't that you don't do anything yourself it's that you start to get used to delegating things that you really don't have to be doing so that later on as your business grows you have already kind of flexed that muscle so you don't need to it's it's not as much of a leap when you actually do genuinely need an assistant okay but it's been it's it's been kind of weird right because it's 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 like this person whose job it is basically just to to to, to make me happy and to get and to make my life easy okay <laughs> <laughs> and in a way it seems like an old sort of relationship right because <laughs> it's it's not quite it's 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 not quite like having having employees right because i've got you know my editor and i've got angus who kind of helps helps write some of the content because that's a sort of defined thing that they've sort of applied for a job for but then this girl she's like just applied to be my assistant and kind of just help me out with whatever yeah um and so sometimes like a lot of the time when i kind of message her on slack or on i message something be like hey liz can you help me with this thing I just feel like I'm I'm just a massive twat <laughs> because like <laughs> why the hell do I need a PA? <laughs> but like, I know this is just this is just like one of those one of those like limiting mindsets which is similar to like oh god why the hell do I need a housekeeper you know I'm not that big a deal yeah 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 I think it's like uh, I think there are lots of things where the first time you think about it it seems extreme I think another one of those things is like. If you think about the the concept of like, hmm, I should I should keep a MacBook charger in every single room of my house so that when I when I decide to relocate from my desk to the sofa, I don't have to take a charger with me. It seems ludicrous. It seems like the most yeah, entitled like, thing ever. It seems like, mate, just pick up the charger, plug it in. Yeah, <laughs> stop being such an arrogant twat. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is similar to what you said about the washing dishes thing. No, no, the, I was making a different argument for the washing dishes thing. I I don't, I don't think you were. No, no, I was. You were saying you were saying it's not that hard to wash the dishes mate just do it yeah some things just like take a couple of minutes and you know like yeah couple... unplugging your charger takes like 10 seconds no no no, no. crucially oh no because yours is underneath the desk and you have no to no it's weeks. not about the time crucially it's like a it's like a blocker you know like after a meal you're not in the middle of an activity like after a meal you know you, you've you've like paid for the fixed cost of that meal right the, washing the dishes is a two minute marginal cost on top of that which does absolutely you know it makes no difference whereas the charger thing is like it's it's a disruptive thing right if i want to go to the sofa <laughs> no but look i think the, the charger thing is one of those things where like it seems so ludicrous like okay no no wait i will i i'm still i'm still not convinced by your by your washing dishes example because because i could easily think that the fact that washing washing the dishes takes me two minutes means that dishes pile up and therefore i end up living in squalor and poverty uh squalor rather than poverty and 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 therefore i'm living a a, uh yeah fine fine if 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 like you struggle with dishes and they pile up yeah fine get a cleaner or something okay fine i have no objection to that but i i I object to like the constantly evaluating like how i'm spending my time or something like I think because I, I th- okay here here's the issue. I think like it's it's very like surface level thinking to to think that like any time spent like you know not producing work artifacts or something is no, like no, time it's, wasted. It's, it's it's not about not producing work artifact. It's about any time spent doing stuff that you don't like doing. Uh yeah sure okay if you really don't like like if you really don't like doing the dishes don't do the dishes. But my point is that I think yeah I think that 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 mindset can be taken too far and there is something to be said for being able to uh sort of appreciate and get value from you know various things in life that on the face of it are like kind of dull you know for example i think washing dishes is pretty fun uh okay yeah, a, but, but and, yeah, and i think you know i th- I think there is something to be said for trying to live in a way where you can appreciate and get value from things by default rather than a mindset of like i get value from x y and z and everything else is a waste of time and i'm only going to do x y and z like it's fine yeah if you've got money fine you can end up just doing x y and z in your life i just think it's it's kind of valuable to try and have a frame of mind where you stretch yourself to be able to get value from things that you otherwise you know wouldn't think as valuable 
Okay, yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board with that. It's like the idea of kind of doing everything, sort of with. Uh, there's this uh, pamphlet that I wrote about in my email newsletter, to, uh, which is which is a manual for for spring cleaning your house, um, and it was it was written in like the 1980s or something. And this was on some productivity blog, obviously. Uh, but the point the guy was making on the productivity blog is that in this manual, the main thing is that all of your effort should be focused on this task. And if you yeah, kind of do, if you do everything with that kind of intentionality, then washing the dishes or ironing the, or, or, or ironing your laundry or whatever becomes it, it like it, you start to appreciate the joy in that just by yeah. kind of kind of focusing on it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah fine. Exactly. I'm on. I'm that's, on board with that. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, my point was like, yeah, there are things that seem crazy, like the charger thing, and in your case, like getting an assistant. Where like if you do the math. It's, it's, it makes sense. Like, if you do the maths, it's a worthwhile investment. It just seems weird because you're not used to living like that. Okay, yeah, you're right. It is a worthwhile investment if I do the maths, but <laughs> that's exactly what seems weird because it just feels like what, 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 what sort of person have I become? Ah, this is a, uh, mate, this, this would be a great segue into transaction analysis. This is a, uh, a perfect example of the overarching parent. This, Wait, uh, what? Don't worry, it, it'll all be clear. I'll be basically after we go through, after I explain uh, the the basics of transaction analysis to you next week, then we'll be able to look at this situation in a new light, and you'll be able to. I've obviously made perfect sense of it uh, as a uh, as someone who's as an enlightened, been, uh, yeah, 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 as, as a high yeah. level thinker. Um, after we go through uh, the basics of TA next week, uh, I will be able to help you make sense of uh, okay. this thing in your life. Yeah, and so I can become a more enlightened, high-level thinker potentially. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but not quite at your level because you because you found it first. Oh, yeah, sure, you know, <laughs> maybe. Okay, okay, I think that's a good place to to end this. This has been a, a rambly, rambly enough discussion. I think we've got enough content out for the week. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I think the mar- I, I'd, I'd just like to make a couple of points about margin. Of course. Uh, yeah, please. So I think the the margin thing, you know, we've talked about this before, and I, okay, I can you define margin for those of us unfamiliar with the, with the with the phrase? It's just like some breathing room, you know, some like breathing okay. room in your life that lets you do random things. Um, and uh, I, I, Sundays is usually designated my margin day, but today, what the, it wasn't much of a margin day because I didn't get enough stuff during the, done during the week. Um, but I've been pretty good for the past couple of Sundays as having it as a margin day, and I spent my last margin day, which was a week ago. Um, looking into something which i'd been meaning to look into for a while um and that is uh that is old people i think like i think uh <laughs> you spent last sunday looking into old people <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> okay i think like young. i mean that's basically my day job but <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> thank you i think young people don't really you know young people i mean i don't really understand old people as in I don't really have uh, an appreciation for uh, what their kind of worldview is. And, you know, I, I'm obviously generalizing here, but to an extent, there are generalizations that can be made. Uh, you know, there are things that old people share in common that young people do not share with them. All right. So don't accuse me of gen- Don't you sit there and accuse me of gen- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> of ageism. <laughs> yeah look i feel like uh i yeah i want to develop a bit more empathy with uh the experience of being an old person in society and a few things that like triggered this um i think there is uh and yeah i i I, I, this is something that i'd like to write about at length uh soonish i think there is a problematic view of old people that many young people have uh it is a problematic view uh of like I, I think it mostly comes down to infantilization. I think uh, young people infantilize old people nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like every time I feel, every time I like encounter this, it just like, it really irks me. And I was like, oh man, this is, this is so weird. Like, and, and, and I was thinking, okay, I should, I should do some digging. Like this, I, I'm certain this is a thing. This is not just in my head. This is a phenomenon that is happening. You know, other people must have thought about this. You know, I'd like to like understand old people. And so first thing I did was type in Reddit old people on Google and boom, there is a subreddit called ask old people where young people can ask questions to old people and the old people answer the questions and it, you know, it helps bridge the divide. Uh, and so I was trying to find out uh you know like I, I was trying to use this infantilization thing as like a starting point for kind of understanding um so a, a little bit about the old person experience and it's it's an it's it's a complete thing uh so an, an example of this would be like uh 
I, I think there's a thing that uh, there's a thing that young people do, which is like performative affection for older people. You know, flexing how much you love your parents on social media. Oh, God, yeah. uh, you know, and and the th- the worst the worst thing is like referring to old people as like cute or like oh oh like you know, you know my grandma's so adorable kind of thing. Um, yeah. And it just really grinds my gears. And I was like, okay, let's look into this. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I just, I, I did some digging and just on the, there's a couple of points which I found so far, which are interesting. The first is on the infantilization thing. Uh, and I think there was, a, there was a thread, uh, where someone asked at what age did you like realize you're an old person or something? You know, when did you like realize that you were officially an old person in society? Mm. And someone, and someone commented, uh, one of the biggest things that tipped me off was how the world around me was treating me. Younger people started using loud voices and cajoling language to speak to me as if I had hearing loss and wasn't able to understand normal conversation, similar to baby talk. This was very painful for me. Soul crushing. I realized that this is how the world was viewing me now. My thought is that why older people get testy with a I don't give an F attitude is because the world starts treating them like uncomprehending imbeciles. Uh, and someone else said it really was one of the more terrible things I've had to come to terms with because it concerns one's identity. And that's a hell of a blow to grapple with. People look over you, around you. They, they're no longer looking at you in the eye. They speak to you in overly loud sing song condescending voices. It's devastating. Uh, it also makes the day to day things harder to accomplish. It makes taking care of yourself and protecting yourself more difficult because it seems no one is taking you or anything you say seriously. Day to day experiences are less joyful, harder to get through because of it. Um, and someone else, uh, a, another young person, uh, you know, commented, uh, in, in response, something like, this must feel terrible. I also hate when people on Reddit put their grandparents' pics on the, the or subreddit, you know, AWW, like, uh, or as in like, oh, what a cute thing. You know, the sub, the subreddit that's meant for pets, uh, and calling old people adorable is really condescending. And I totally agree. Uh, and it was like really interesting and eye opening to like hear firsthand from old people about like, this is how society, yeah, this is like how, how people treat them in society. The other thing which, uh, I find it, well, I, I think it's one of the particularly big, uh, rifts between young people and old people, uh, is the extent to which like, you know, old people are more fragile, right? And so that, you know, they have to think about their safety, uh, a lot more. And so I'll read out a couple of anecdotes, uh, that I thought were pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, someone, I think this was a thread about like the quarantine or something. Uh, and someone said, I've been in self-isolation since the beginning of last September. Whoa. Why? Okay. I can't remember why. My, uh, my wife is in a nursing home now. She isn't coming home. I have home health aides who come in during the week. On the weekends, I'm on my own. Uh, it's the weekends that I dread. If I fuck up and get into trouble, there will be no one who knows about it until Monday morning. I have severe mobility issues. I can count on my fingers the times I've been out of the house since she's been gone. Um, so, you know, that's, that's not really something that, uh, young people really have to think about. Like, you know, what happens if I fall over or what happens if I have an accident? It's just like, so yeah, I think you, as a young person, uh, certainly me anyway, you kind of go through life feeling invincible. Right. Um, and I think it's like very different, um, for all people. Uh, and I was on, oh yeah, there's, there's a couple of thoughts on friendship. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought the friendship stuff was particularly interesting that I, w- I wanted to do some more digging into. Uh, so here's, here's one comment. Uh, we all have a limited circle of close friends. As they slash we die off, we're left with fewer and making friends late in life is tough to do. It can lead to isolation. I knew a 96 year old that outlived all of her friends and most of her siblings. You don't get to live a long life with a large group of friends. You live long enough to outlive your friends or you die early with many. Make friends with your friends' spouses as well. You will be hanging out with them when the spouse dies or you're an asshole. <laughs> as, you, as you age, it helps if you lower your goals over your standard limits as to whom you call a friend too. Don't be so picky. They'll have to lower their standards for you too. Uh, and another comment was, uh, turned 50 this year and I guess you have to start redefining what close friendship means. It no longer means someone you see every day. It doesn't even mean someone you see every week. It means someone you see every now and then and email, text or message to keep up with and make sure they're doing all right. And sometimes you invite over to chat or for dinner. Uh, it's someone you care about without seeing them all the time because you know that life is busy and yours maybe too. Um, and the final thing, uh, which was, uh, on isolation, which I think is another big kind of thing, uh, uh, thing i'd like to um look into uh, about old people uh someone said i think social is- isolation is something we all trend towards uh, and also something that if we care about our health we will take steps to keep healthy doesn't much matter what i became a competitive lifter and hang and hang out with humans a third my age others have an active church life uh, or book clubs honestly doesn't matter we all need human con- contact seek it out um so yeah isolation friendship safety 
infantilization. These were like the, the topics I, oh. I looked into last Sunday. Uh, and I found a good book reference also via the subreddit called Bowling Alone by Robert Putnam. Uh, I tried to find it on Kindle. Oh. I think it didn't have a Kindle version. So I'm going to have to dig up the PDF of that somehow to get it on Kindle. <laughs> as, as opposed to buy the book. <laughs> I need it on Kindle, bro. <laughs> I'm glad you're a, a, a Kindle convert. <laughs> no, no, I buy the book too as well. So like uh, I've, I've, I bought this uh, transaction analysis book on Kindle and I read it on Kindle first. But then when I sat down to like start summarizing things so I could talk about yeah. it clearly on the podcast, I thought it's just too hard to flick through a Kindle book. And I just bought the hard copy and I like flick through that and find bits and bobs. And hey, have you, have, have you tried using an iPad? The Kindle app on iPad is amazing for flicking through a book. I don't know, man. I don't buy it. Maybe I'll, maybe, maybe like, I, like the physical. Yeah. Maybe one day, but yeah, I think yeah, all, so, old people is one of my modern day activities these days. The old people stuff is interesting. Um, it's, it's something I've, I've often also thought about. Uh, there was that, that film, I think, I think you were there when we watched it in St. Auburn Cinema, which was about, I think it was called like Edith or something. It was about that woman who wants to like climb the mountain or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. And there was that scene where, and that's basically a whole story about how everyone is kind of underestimating, underestimating her because she's old. Yeah. And there's that scene where she's like in some, you know, in some, some like home or something visiting someone. Uh, and getting involved in the arts and crafts and like, you know, the sort of 17 year old volunteer says, Oh, you know, watch out for the scissors, Edith. They're sharp. And she kind of looks at the camera and, like, <laughs> and everyone <laughs> kind of laughs because they know kind of the experience because like most people in that cinema were quite old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I feel like every, every, everyone could relate to that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking that, that damn, this is, this is exactly how we talk to old people. But then in fairness, like, you know, often you, often you do have to raise your voice and talk to them in a sort of, <laughs> like, yeah yeah sure but yeah i can i can appreciate that that side of the, the old people thing um on a somewhat related note what i was thinking about was about how growing old means you then stop getting jokes like you know the, the, there was that thing that was going around whatsapp of people kind of uh, that I, th- I think i think you were forwarding it to, to people kind yeah, of, yeah yeah uh the, the meme of everyone forwarding each other ramadan uh, ramadan mubarak messages yeah yeah and the one that you forwarded was one being like, hey, you know, I just wanted to send a personalized message that's not forwarded a happy 2016 Ramadan Mubarak or something from yeah. your friend Tanvir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought it was interesting because like all of the people who saw that were like lol and forwarded it to like their parents. And very few of the parents got the joke. They were like, you know, who's, who's Tanvir? Like what's going on? <laughs> and, and so what I was thinking then is that like, you know, the parents aren't even that old. They're like in their 40s slash 50s. And I was wondering, well, I'm in my 40s and 50s and if I get the equivalent of that sort of joke well i also not really get what's going no, on no dude that's not about like old people not getting jokes that's just about the the medium of technology like for example part of getting that joke is understanding that when you forward a message in whatsapp it says forwarded like you know it's forwarded like you know that that's part of the joke okay like, no, no. You know, it, like it, it's yeah, a technology exactly thing. it's not an old people thing the, uh, this yeah i'm not i'm not saying it's an old people thing i'm saying the the point i'm making is that as we get older we get less attuned to kind of the cultural zeitgeist of the young people and therefore don't have the requisite knowledge to appreciate a joke like that yeah 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 for sure and i feel like that would be depressing because then sort of the kids are sort of making fun of the parents for not getting the joke (laughs) and like sharing screenshots of the parents not getting the joke and it's yeah it was it it was something that that made me think damn i don't really want to want to be this way when i'm when i'm old the thing is but then it's it's not so bad because like we're we're already starting to face it a bit with like being out of touch with the latest tech you know like the, you know being late to the whole tiktok thing i don't know what the kids yeah. do nowadays like culturally we are becoming more irrelevant in terms of what's what people are doing you know yeah and it's sure. and it's not so bad and i think it's not so bad because it kind of reinforces your own sense of like tribal membership of like yeah. oh, i'm not <laughs> the, the, i'm not one the, of this the... is my generation <laughs> yeah 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 i'm i'm a millennial <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and you kind of embrace it and there's like a, a sense of you know i don't see yeah <laughs> it's kind of a sense of those damn kids yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> okay i think that's a good a good place to end this unless you had more points to discuss no cool um what's our insight of the week i feel like my insight of the week was that i feel like i want to i should be asking myself more am i living an interesting story uh yeah that sounds like a good insight for you i'm just seeing what i tweeted this week your insight of the week is have more empathy towards old people (laughs) yeah man all right my insight of the week is that everyone should watch money heist i've been watching it with uh with me okay no spoilers with dinner this week uh and yeah it's so good man wait has it got multiple seasons yeah so it's not like a new show 
It's not new. No, I think the season one was like in 2018, 2017 or something. Oh, damn. I've been seeing yeah, it I wish on Netflix, come up on Netflix for a while and it always looked cool, but I never got around to watching it. But yeah, it's really good. It took me a while to realize it was an English dub. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, 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 for a few minutes, I was wondering why aren't the lips moving? And I was like, oh, okay, it's all set. Oh, I get it. It's in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's a very well done English dub. Have you ha, have you seen that, that YouTube video that was going around uh, on recommended, at least on my page, which was uh, how they dub Pokemon in English? Oh, it came up on my feed, but I didn't click on it. It looked oh, interesting. I was really like, good. oh, I don't have it, time right now. It's really interesting. You were like, oh, click on David Dobrik. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually, it's actually really interesting. It's, it's really cool how they do it. It's so, it's so, it's so involved. Oh, wow. I'll check it out. Yeah. You should definitely check it out. But yeah, good place to end it. All right. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next week where we're going to be talking about, or rather where Tame's going to be teaching me about, and us, and by extension, about transactional analysis. Cool. See you next time. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.